Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. Listen, we got a ping, a big one. This is something I've been after a long time. This is an old... Nick, you're here. Listening. Yeah, uh, Claudia and I just got back. That's nice. It's late. You look tired. This is Doug with the episode credits for Season 4, Episode 18, Lost and Found. Guest cast, Anthony Head as Paracelsus. Polly Walker, Sasha Royce, and Josh Balak return as Charlotte Dupree, Marcus Diamond, and Nick Powell, respectively. Created by Brent Moat and Jan Espenson. Written by Benjamin Robb, Derek A. Hughes, Michael Jones-Morales, and John Paul Nickel. Directed by Howard Deutsch. Original air date, June 24th, 2013. Wait, is there any way that this ping could wait until tomorrow? No, no, can't wait. I've been waiting for years. We have to act right now. What? You won't make Warehouse Employee of the Month? Of the century! We let this slip through our fingers right now. We may never get it again. Or worse, somebody could swoop in and claim it. Swoop in and claim what? It's the treasure of Roaring Dan CV. And now, the episode quick cap. Season 4, episode 18, Lost and Found. Artie gets a ping about a stash of missing artifacts stolen from Warehouse 12 by the pirate Roaring Dan CV. He has one piece of Roaring Dan's puzzle box and has a lead to purchase the other half, which when put together will show him the location of the stash. Meanwhile, back at the warehouse, Nick uses Franz Mesmer's magnets to make Claudia think she is with Steve and not Nick, and to make Steve believe he has piles and piles of paperwork to finish. Nick, now having access to the warehouse, makes Claudia believe that Steve has been bronzed. Claudia overrides the DNA safeguard, only to find that Paracelsius is the one who is in the bronzer. Nick releases him, and Paracelsius bronzes Claudia and destroys the bronzer. Pete, Micah, and Artie find that Charlotte Dupree is posing as the seller of the puzzle box. They make a deal to work as partners to find the treasure. After Charlotte is killed by the smoke monster and comes back to life in time to save the team, they learn that she is the Countess of St. Germain, and she, along with her son Nick and husband Sutton, have been made immortal by Paracelsius using the Philosopher's Stone. She found half of the stone amongst the items in the pirate stash, but still needs the other half and Paracelsius to make them mortal once more. Who is a pirate? A pirate who stole a collection of artifacts from Warehouse 12, and we are going to steal them back. During the transition between Warehouse 12 and Warehouse 13, the HMS Avalon, which was a cargo ship, was laden with artifacts besieged off the Atlantic coast by pirates. Led by Roaring Dan CV, these brigands looted the Avalon, absconding with several crates of artifacts and claiming the life of Agent David Walker. <sighs> so whatever happened to Dan CV? Vanished for 100 years. Hi, we're back with Season 4, Episode 18, Lost and Found. Artifacts of the Week, Aleister Crowley's ruby-studded universal hexagram necklace. Aleister Crowley, he was a notorious occultist who spent much of his life studying and mastering the art of astral projection, which he considered essential in the quest for the discovery of one's true will. So Dan's one true will is protecting his treasure after his death. And, and he was a frustrated tenor who could never hit high C. Belonged to notorious occultist Aleister Crowley, who after devoting much of his life to studying and mastering the art of astral projection imbued it with the power to create a smoke-like spectral projection lasting beyond the life of the user's corporeal form. The sound of a high C note can drive the apparition away, though. And the Philosopher's Stone piece, the legendary Lapis Philosophrum. Philosopher's Stone? 
from the magnum opus. It's said that that stone can turn base metal into gold. Among other things, Sutton said that a stone kept him from aging. Also used to create a universal medicine, the elixir of life, that can be used for physical rejuvenization and achieving immortality, or make an immortal mortal. Links to artifact descriptions from Warehouse Wiki can be found on our website. No warehouse agent has ever been able to find him or the artifacts that he stole, but I have a lead. This is one half of a puzzle box. It was actually built by Roaring Dan. I, 18 years ago, borrowed it from the Smithsonian, and I know that when the two halves of the box put together, it will somehow reveal where his hideout is. Now, when you say borrow... Before we start, I just want to add another actor to our Buffy and Angel role, Anthony Head, who is playing Paracelsius. Oh, okay. He was Rupert Giles, Buffy's watcher during the whole run of the Buffy series. Although I don't believe he ever appeared in person in Angel, his character was mentioned more than once. And I'm pretty sure there was a couple of one-sided phone calls, like Angel was on the phone talking to Giles, and we never saw Giles on the screen. And then when they went to the Buffy side, you could see Giles talking to Angel, the same conversation, but they never showed him on screen. Okay. But do you watch the Doctor Who confidentials? No. He was the narrator for about 30 of them. Oh, okay. And he was also in Doctor Who, and it was a while ago, and I can't remember the episode but he was a teacher i think and i can't remember what the episode was about i'll have to find it yeah he was a teacher they were in some private school i want to say can't yeah, re- there's a couple of them with private schools with yeah. the kids yeah i can't remember what the name of the episode was but i figured you might know him from there but you know where we know him from because we're old <laughs> oh god <laughs> and i know you're going to remember this Remember they used to have those Taster's Choice commercials? The two people living in the same apartment building, and one would come to borrow Taster's Choice. It was like an ongoing commercial. Part of me wants to say yes. They would come to each other's door once in a while and want to borrow some Taster's Choice coffee. Did it end up getting married? That's what it was leading to. It was like an ongoing saga. Um... Yeah, they started dating, and we thought that was how it was going to end. It was like a mini soap opera, a commercial. Yes. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to look some of that up. If I put his name in, all that should come up. Yeah, it will. Because I remembered the commercials. I don't know what happened, but instead of having them getting married and continue on with the commercials, the girl went back to her old boyfriend or something. <laughs> oh, wow. So I knew you'd remember those. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, like a mini soap opera yes, commercial. They were really popular, yeah. So mm-hmm. what did you think about this episode? I liked it, but I'm still going really... That's the sad part is lately it's going, really? It's just, just so many dumb moments in this episode so many and, and i'm just like you gotta be kidding guy like as we go on you slip up more <laughs> yeah you know you put your guard down it's like come on right yeah and so while we're talking about ridiculous stuff i need to talk about micah's thoughts about telling peach she had cancer oh that running through her mind all the scenarios really yeah him crying and being upset would probably be a decent scenario but um, the other ones were totally ridiculous and totally uncharacteristic of Pete. She imagines him yelling at her. She imagines him laughing at her and screaming in her face. Yeah. Pete, I have cancer. No. No. You went to the doctor three 
three days ago, and and you just telling me three days ago, and you just telling me does that mean you're gonna kill me? Yeah, what would I do without you? Okay, wait a minute. There's that look again, Michael. What's what's wrong? On my physical, the doctor found something. I have cancer. I don't really understand where that came from. Yeah, I didn't either. I can understand her spacing out at times. Right. I can understand that part. Right. But the peace scenarios, I was like, really, Micah? Yeah. And Pete knows her well enough to know that something's wrong. You can see it through the mm -hmm. entire series that he knows something's wrong. And she just keeps coming up with these insane scenarios in her head. You know, the last one when he screamed in her face... The first time I watched it, I thought he threw a punch. The way he screamed at her. Oh, okay. The yeah, first... just to kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I realized the second time he didn't, but even the screaming in her face. I mean, come on. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. I liked how excited Artie was about this ping. Oh, my God. When he was talking, it sounded like he was narrating what he was saying. You know how narrators have a certain right. tone and a certain voice when they talk? That's exactly to how Artie sounded when he was going through all this stuff about, you know, Warehouse 12. And I'm going, wow, he sounds like a radio announcer or somebody who's doing a baseball game. Yeah, or a voiceover kind of voiceover, thing. Voiceover, yeah. yeah. It just sounded fake, even though it was coming from Artie. Yeah, and I think maybe that was just because he he was different through this whole episode, really. He was, and he was, like, so excited about this. Mm -hmm. You know, and he was in a weird, different kind of mood. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, so he was telling the story, and he says the HMS Avalon was a cargo ship that was attacked by pirates, and a warehouse agent, David Wolcott, was killed, who, if you remember, was HG's partner back when she worked in Warehouse 12. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was the guy that was with her when they tried to stop the other guy from launching the rocket and all that. Mm hmm So they mentioned him. And so Artie, as it turns out, stole the puzzle box from the Smithsonian and had it all this time, but they need to find the other half. And the ping he's got is a lead on a seller of this puzzle box. And then Steve knows something's up with Nick. And, you know, he tries to talk to Claudia, who's so gullible, about Nick hasn't said anything truthful in the, the three days he's been there. And I'm thinking that... Charlotte must have researched all of them because she chose Claudia. And I think she chose Claudia because of her background and because she's definitely so gullible. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she even believes Nick when he tells her that Steve and him just got into it. Right. They didn't. Right. And she believes Nick over Steve, you know, because she trusted Steve when he said he would calm down about Nick. Mm -hmm. And Nick just goes and says, we just got into it. And she immediately believes him. Right. And I couldn't understand that one either. Right. She's so gullible. A kid from the streets lying to an adult he just met. 
That never happens. You need to be more careful around him. He's 15. And homeless. I mean, he's withdrawn, guarded, mistrustful. Three of my best friends at that age. And I get that you want to protect him. I do all I'm saying is just keep your eyes open. Okay? Steve and I just got into it. Something fierce. That seems... God, he said he'd be cool. Well, I guess not. And no matter what I say, that guy's never going to believe me. Hey. Let me handle him, okay? Come here. Who else could the intruder possibly be if not Nick? I don't know, but can you wait until we get in there before you start pointing fingers? Okay, when was the last time you saw him? Oh my god, Nick knows nothing about the warehouse, okay? Also, I've got this place locked down tighter than Mrs. Frederick's weave. Only person who gets past my security protocols is me. Okay, but if he could, what would he have to do first to break in? Cut the power to Artie's office or something? Well, yeah, I mean, technically. Well, Jinxie, it turns out you were... Who the hell are you? He used them to make me think that he was you, and then he used me, Steve. I, I, tr I trusted him. I let him into our home, and you, I mean, you warned me. God, but I just... I... You did what you thought was right. <sighs> yeah, well, now that little piss ant's loose in the warehouse. Yeah, it was just way... Yeah. You know, even when Steve told her, don't come, run, and you go into the warehouse. And I'm just like, he said, run. He's supposed to run the other direction and go get help, not run in. Right. The point is, he told you something, and you're still not taking his word on it when you're supposed to be tight. And the thing about him calling her was, anybody would know that's not Steve. Because he wouldn't be saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, yeah, that's, that's not too. the way he would react to something. But where happened to Steve? That's why I just thought about it. Wait a minute. Did I miss something when Steve went in? No, it wasn't Steve going in with her. Oh, yeah, that's Steve, right. Nick gave him the illusion of all that paperwork. Steve was still in his office or in the whatever that room was with all the paperwork. Right, but I thought he was coming to the warehouse. Once he realized what was going on, I thought he was headed towards the warehouse. He was. He's the one who found her in the bronzer at the end. Yeah, that's right. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he had the thing in his pocket. Right. Claudia finally figures out that he was right about Nick and calls Steve to tell him to, to bag the thing in his pocket. And then he sees he doesn't have half as much paperwork as he thought he did. And he right. goes to the warehouse, but Claudia's already bronzed. But, you know, when Nick confronts Steve about his lying and goes through the whole speech about how he just wants a normal life, Steve doesn't detect deception because that was all true. Right. And that's the part that I realized, too, because I forgot she's a vampire or whatever they want to call her. She's a vampire, right? Is that exactly what she's supposed to be called, a vampire? No. Not a vampire. She's a vampire, right? No, they're immortal. Oh, immortal. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry, folks. I did this the last time. Yeah. All right. But anyway, they're immortal. So... I'm just going to say they're the V. Anyway, <laughs> the VM. Vampire Immortal. Because at one point I'm going, oh, well, he's an orphan now. But then I forgot. She can't die. Right. And, you know, when he did say I want a normal life, he was being truthful because that's what he wants. Right. Who wants to be 17 forever? Right. My 17, yeah. But still not forever. I mean, you could have had a good year when you were 17, but that doesn't mean you want to be 17 forever. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. You guys have been, like, really nice, and I'm not used to people being nice. What I am used to is lying, stealing, getting beaten up, and not being able to trust another living soul for what feels like 500 years. And I, I'm just, I'm so 
so damn tired of it. All I want is for, like, a normal life. That's the first honest thing that you said to me in three days. Micah's memory saves the day when the puzzle box closes, because you got one shot at it. Mm-hmm. And it closed and it doesn't open, so she was able to remember the location. Why would you say you have it? And that was the other thing that pissed me off. What she should have said was, Artie, sorry, I don't have it. Artie, mm-mm, I didn't get it. And then walked away because she would have never known. Oh, okay. I, I get what you're saying. You're right. Yeah, Charlotte wouldn't have known. And Pete would have agreed with that because she hasn't been in her right mind. Pete would have caught on. Because once Pete confirmed it, Artie sometimes catches some things too. And then she would have been like, oh gosh, she don't remember. We need to do something else. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah, they could have gotten rid of her early. Yes. And of course, Micah's the one who finds the tombstone of the pirates, first mate. So they know that's probably the entrance. Like we said, Nick poses as Steve to get Claudia into the warehouse. And he used Franz Mesmer's magnets. Franz Mesmer's magnets. They create illusion through the power of suggestion. I'll give you one guess who slipped them to us. Once a magnet touches someone, it causes the victims to see and hear illusions through the power of suggestion. The magnets can be used separately to to whammy more than one person. But see, the first time I watched it, I couldn't figure out how he got Marcus. That one, I don't know where Marcus came up out of. Right. And when I watched it again, when fake Steve was talking to Claudia and saying, get out of the warehouse, he said something like, you're dead. She killed you, which led Claudia to believe it was Marcus. Oh, oh, oh. Right, it had to be a suggestion. Oh my god, Jinxie, watch your six. Oh my god. Oh my god, no. See, what, what is it? Claudia, go. Get the hell out of the warehouse now! Why, why? What, what's... You're dead. She killed you! Steve! But, again, they must have done a lot of research, because how would Nick ever know about Marcus? Right. Oh, yeah. I think Charlotte did her homework. I think she said she did. Yeah. And even when she said, that's the one we're after. That's Claudia. Right. And you're right. The gullible one. (laughs) And the one who has a background that would be apt to feel for Nick. Yeah. Yeah. So Claudia is able to bypass the DNA sample to get Steve unbronzed. But it's not Steve. It's Paracelsius. Mm Mm-hmm. And then back in the tomb, the smoke monster, who thought we'd ever be talking about a smoke monster again. (laughs) (laughs) The smoke monster kills Charlotte. But then she comes back to save Artie, Pete, and Micah and confesses that she's the Countess of St. Germain. And she, along with Nick and her husband Sutton, are immortal. When they find out that Claudia's bronzed and Mm -hmm. the bronzer's broken... You know, Nick doesn't, didn't seem to want to hurt Claudia throughout this whole thing. And Charlotte said nobody was supposed to get hurt. Right. You know, so this Paracelsius, I imagine, either was the one who bronzed Claudia or he made Nick bronze Claudia. Well, they said that uh, he was there for a reason. Yes. He was there for a reason. I don't think we know the reason yet, but he's there for a reason. He's bronze for a reason. Yeah. And you can see the sinister going on in his face, his voice, and everything else. He was no good. No matter what the other person on the other side, what Nick is thinking, Yeah. just because you think they're there to help you for a certain reason, they might not be there. 
and he's bronze for a reason. Right. You did some harm. That's why you're bronze. Right, right. It seemed like they understand that he's evil, but they still need him to become mortal again. Well, I thought he just needed the stone. No, no, they needed him. He was the guy who who did the spell to make them immortal. Oh. So they need the stone and they need him to do the spell to reverse it. Oh. Random notes. Some funny stuff and some other stuff. But first, the funny. Now, we need to move on and shuffle off to Buffalo. Ah, yes, Buffalo, birthplace of the hot wing. Healthiest part of the chicken. I'm telling you, the wings are legendary. Put some ranch dressing over here. I don't know, kind of a strange place to be selling a priceless antiquity. You're right, we should be looking for a quaint little storefront, the old black market. Duplicitous mince! Double cross, my double cross. Oh man, killed by a pirate? That's how I want to go out. Avast, me hearties. Let's go snag us some artifacts. Yes, indeed. So I take it back. Being killed by a pirate is a crappy way to die. I love when Artie wears his Carmen San Diego outfit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Pete asks Artie why Artie's bag always seems to have the artifact that they need in any situation, which is true. <laughs> yeah, like pulling a you know, bullwinkle. You try to pull a rabbit out of your head, that's not what you get. Yeah. But Artie seems to pull out what he wants. Exactly, like Mary Poppins' bag, sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was funny, because uh, Micah asked what Comic-Con is, and Pete's reaction was funny. was funny. But she seems to be doing more and more in this kind of thing lately. Like, a couple episodes ago, they were talking about Stairway to Heaven, and she said that she wasn't an expert on the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and Pete just says, oh, no. <laughs> All I care about saying is, who don't know Stairway to Heaven? But who doesn't know it's not the Rolling Stones? That's like a classic. Yeah. You know, Pete was just like, oh, no. And this time he kind of whimpers and repeats, what's Comic-Con? (laughs) 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 Uber-rich loner with a secret underground lair. Right? Like, who is this guy? Spider-Man? What? Oh, Oh, my God, no. Spider-Man lives in Queens with his aunt. Batman. Pete, moderate your Comic-Con panel later. What's Comic-Con? And then later when Pete and Artie talk about Mr. Crowley, and Pete says, oh, the Ozzy song, Artie says yes. And Micah looks at both of them like she's very confused. She just has no idea what that means. But I just don't know how you do certain things that you miss. Yeah. Uh, One jewel-studded universal hexagram amulet belonging to Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley, the guy from the Ozzy song? Yes. Yes, you're right, actually. I also found it funny when Charlotte asked if the smoke monster seems strange to them and they all just says, no, no, not at all. You know, like it's every day, which it is kind of. Yeah. Oh, it was like a really angry shadow. Yeah. A shadow that protects treasure. Doesn't that seem, I don't know, strange to you? It's speaking of books, Pete knew the Philosopher's Stone from Harry Potter, which is funny because the name of the book and movie in the UK was the Philosopher's Stone, the first movie. But they changed it to the Sorcerer's Stone in the U.S. because they thought people here wouldn't know what the Philosopher's Stone is. So it's funny that Pete would know the Philosopher's Stone from Harry Potter because he doesn't read books. You would think Micah would be the one to know because in the United States, we didn't call it the Philosopher's Stone. It was the Sorcerer's Stone. I don't know. Somehow I could see Pete knowing that one. That wouldn't surprise me for Pete, for Harry Potter. For something else, 
yeah. But for Harry Potter, no. Even though Pete doesn't read, Pete does watch a lot of TV. So even before we talk about the Doctor Who, as far as like the commentary, when they talk about and discuss the series, if Pete watched them discuss and talked about the series, even if it was done in the UK, he would have watched it and realized the difference. So that's what I'm saying it doesn't surprise you for Pete because any discussion, especially if it was on TV or a panel, Pete would have saw it. Yeah, that's true. Philosopher's Stone from Harry Potter. So I don't have any other notes. Do you have anything else? No, it was just, you know, those ah moments where I can't say how many times they turned it back on her. Um, <laughs> and you gave her the peace and it was just a lot of, you got to be kidding me moments in this one. I did like it, yeah. but it was still a lot of, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I enjoyed the episode because they had a lot going on. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, I liked it too. Like I said, I didn't really like the cancer part of it. Right, yeah. I understand you not wanting to tell people, but that was a little ridiculous. Yeah. But otherwise, I liked it. So we'll be back next week for, I don't know what episode we're in. 19. All right. Then we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Imagine what you will see. Imagine what you could accomplish. Yes, yes. But now imagine everyone you have ever known or will know dying. Imagine never allowing yourself to get close to somebody because they don't understand. Like, why don't you age? Imagine the loneliness and the solitude and the isolation. And then imagine watching your only child go through that forever. Hey, this is Dud Gramley reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the 13th warehouse. On Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. On Instagram at Eureka underscore warehouse. On our website at the13thwarehouse.com or on Podbean. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Reflections in the Mirror, provided by Esther Garcia under their standard license. See you next time in the 13th Warehouse. And now we're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Doug here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good and the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Warehouse 13, it is very likely you are also a fan of Eureka. If you aren't, you should be. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and Doug Gramley over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.